Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast and the Mindset Matters Edition, where I'm joined by my wife and Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. Together, Stephanie and I engage in a conversation about different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters. We believe that we're living in and through one of the most impactful global events in history. And let's face it, few have trained for or are equipped to deal with the life that is unfolding before them. The need to pivot in your business, your career, or perhaps deal with shifting family dynamics lies before many. We hope to inspire you to ask yourself questions or pause to consider how you view your world, your life. We'll invite you to check in on where you are on your journey, and are you still clear on your intended destination, or has it changed? Join us for this in our series of Mindset Matters. Listen in, enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast, Mindset Matters Edition. Stephanie, welcome. Hi, hon. So we're talking about pies today. Pies? I love pie. I know, me too. I love rhubarb (laughs) strawberries, my fave. Okay, so we're talking about pies, folks, and we're going to get to what exactly that is in just a moment. But the connection here was you had just got back from Montreal. You were working on an AGM with your team in Montreal. Then you came and you had some young athletes that you were speaking to. We had just come off a previous podcast where we were talking about power versus force. And then we actually came to realize that there's some work that we had done a lot of in the past that's kind of a fallen off our radar. It was a tool that we used quite often and it was called pies. So let's give listeners what is pies well the definition of pies is it's just an acronym you know how much we love acronyms well it's not by the way folks it's not our acronym no i know i learned it i don't know 50 years ago or 25 years ago in university we're studying psychology and then again it got brought brought back into our consciousness with different um personal and professional coaches that we've uh, worked with so the pies is um it's a self-awareness and a self Assessment, assessment we'll call tool, yeah. let's call it. Yeah. So P is the physical. Mm-hmm. I is the intellectual. Yeah. E is emotional. And S, in my world, is spiritual. But with some of the athletes, it's social. So there's a, a, um, each letter has its own container, let's say. So when we look at and give it context, we're going, why are we even worried about our pies? Well, we got to keep our eyes on our pies. Keep your eyes on your pies. Okay, great. So we used it, and one of the things that we used to, in a coach that we had when we would get on a meeting in terms of a a group meeting, like with the team, the first thing we would do is go around and say, where's everybody at? So with the executive team, we'd go, where's everybody at their pies? And we would rate our pies in terms of where were we physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually on a zero to 10 rating. So However, I was feeling physically, I would just go, you know, physically, I'm a seven. Intellectually, I'm a four. Emotionally, I'm a nine. And spiritually, I'm really connected, had a great meditation. And, you know, I'm a 10. So it's a self-assessment tool, but also a way to understand about self-regulation. So it really is a high-level tool that can be used in communication. So when you say zero to 10, and you're putting a, a numerical value on it, who actually does that? Is that just a personal thing? Or how, how do you determine what a zero is and what a 10 is? Well, it can only be personal because nobody can physically, intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually 
determine where you are at and you've got nothing to compare it to other than the benchmark of where you've been in the past. So in other words, this is actually a tool to look at and bring your awareness to what you may be operating on top of or what's stopping you from hitting it out of the park that day or, you know, just bringing your awareness to where you're at. So, for example, you may know physically, you know, where you've been in the past. How are you feeling? You know, maybe you woke up this morning, you're tired, your joints ache, you're not feeling Are, are you good. talking about me right now? I'm <laughs> talking about me. So, <laughs> but, you know, so you have a benchmark and it you start to realize that, you know, something I've felt better physically in the past. So I'm going to say that when I'm at the top of my game, I know that I can consistently be an eight. Let's just use that as an example. Do you know what a 10 feels like? Do you ever believe you've had a 10? I don't think I've ever been a 10 in anything because I, my nature is to say there's always more there somewhere for sure. But anyways, and then intellectually, are you feeling sharp? You know, did you have your coffee or are you really being burdened by intellectually with all the clutter that you have in your brain, for example? Okay. And then emotionally, did you have a fight with your significant other? Are the kids uh, on your mind and you were a little bit worried about what's happened with your kids? Did you have a fight with your teenager? You know, where are you emotionally? Uh, a parent is, is ill, something, you know, where are you emotionally? Somebody insulted you, you know, and you really feel hurt. So when we start to bring our awareness to it, and this goes back to the, and I'm going to pass it to you here, because this is really about power versus force. And sometimes when we look and say, how are we feeling? And we're feeling powerful, then we can stop and look at it and go, okay, well, here's why. You know, I got out, I got a great walk in, I got a great workout in, you know, intellectually, I feel sharp, I feel focused. Emotionally, gosh, you know, life is couldn't be better. You know, the kids are great. My significant other is great. You know, so then emotionally, I feel really grounded. I'm not taking anything personally. And then spiritually, whatever that is, have you, uh, have you connected with whatever your version of God is? Did you have your meditation? Uh, were you hanging out with other like-minded individuals because you went to church and you have that going on? So where do you feel in, in regard to spirituality, whatever that represents for you? Now, I go back to this power versus force, because this is where I think you really come in with a conversation is understanding. You see it with your athletes. And the reality of it is, is that that's what gets in their way from next level. I, I believe, and, and we both believe that this is also what can get in our way of taking our careers, our businesses, our jobs to the next level as well, which is to say, check in and ask yourself, what are your pies today? Yeah. And it's also important to know that it's also a way to beat yourself up if you're not being using the tool in a way that it's designed. So if you're saying as it's true is that we can only evaluate ourselves based on our own past physical. You know, at one point in my life, I really thought you were a 10, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought you were a 10. Um, so we also have to have a way of looking at it that is not through a filter of a should or what we expect it to be. This is a high level self-awareness exercise and a tool that can allow people to quickly determine where they need to draw their next le level of energy from. So for example, you were mentioning athletes. Most athletes think if I just work harder, train harder, get thinner, get faster, get smart, you know, whatever, get physically doing all the work, then I'm just going to make it. Well, that's only one quarter 
or 25% of the whole. So if each each letter, P-I-E-S, holds, let's say, a weight of 25% in terms of effort and energy that's available to you, well, if you're only using the physical capacity and ignoring the intellectual, the emotional, and the spiritual side, or the social energy that comes from being on a team, etc., you're only really getting a quarter of what's available to you. And that, I think, is a huge awakening and awareness for a lot of people. Well, you make it, okay, so this is a great conversation because when we look at, you mention it, you know, from an athlete's point of view, I mean, you've worked with professional athletes and world-class and Olympic, and then you've also worked with just young athletes, you know, young athletes who maybe have a dream of one day playing a professional sport. But here's the thing about it, and it is both of us as coaches around business and then just our own experiences, we start to realize that if you are, you know, business people, for example, I just need to work harder. You know, or I, just, I need to know more. I need to know more. I got if I if only I if I just had more information, then I could do something else. We see it, of course, in the world. You know, my world of real estate investors and entrepreneurs. I just need more. I just need to learn more. And the reality of it is, is that sometimes, and I don't want to call it a reality. The observation that we've had over the years is that sometimes when you pull back and you realize that you are actually, if we look at those as four buckets or four tanks. Many people automatically go to the intellect. I just need to know more. We'll just use that as an example. We see it often. And or physically, you know, in the world of athletes. I have to lift more. Uh, yeah, faster. Yeah. That's it. That's the answer. That's the answer. I just got to get faster. I got to lose more weight, whatever the, the, the story is. But here's the thing about it, folks, is that we pull back and we realize that if we drain the emotional tank, if we drain the spiritual tank where we're not getting and getting recharged. So in other words, our energy is not there for us where we need it. So it may feel like you need to be more intellectual, of course, as coaches. And, you know, even within the shift program, we see often where what the the actual gap is, is that not, it's not intellectual. No, it's analysis paralysis is not your friend. You know, so you actually need to do, you need to get out for a walk. You need to get out for a, a workout. You know, you need to change your physiology in order for other things to kick in. You know, you need to look at what's happening emotionally. You've just had a, a, a fight with your significant other. It's carrying on. You're pissed off for three weeks now. That is an energy leak. It's also an, and it's an energy leak in many aspects, correct? So you think about that emotional leak because you're operating on top of a conversation that you can't bring yourself to have with a partner or a significant other or whatever that might be. Well, that that's a barrier. That's a barrier. And it also detracts from the energy that you might give to that spiritual side of things, that intellectual side of things. I know for me, when I'm under the, it's so weird for me, is I know that when I'm under the most stress, the most pressure, I have a tendency to go into my intellect, you know this about me, and I have to find a way to change my physiology, which means I have to work out somehow. I have to do something physical and try and change my physiology. So if you were in my office right now, you would see a small trampoline. That's one of the ways that I get on that trampoline and I bounce for 10, 15, 20 minutes sometimes. I really get into my breathing, but that's shifting my physiology, which then affects me both 
mentally or intellectually and emotionally. And then if I get really stressed out, I, I don't go to my meditation. I don't use that as a tool. And is and I know... That's funny. That's the first place I go. <laughs> but isn't it strange, right? We know these things and how powerful that is. I mean... We know these things, we coach these things, but we, of course, are always doing the work ourselves. That's what we share with everybody. We are certainly don't ever put us on a pedestal in terms of, because we're going through our shit too. But the point is around this whole, keep your eyes on your pies. It's a way to bring you back and give you a tool to kind of self-assess and be true and be honest with yourself based on your past performance. You know where you're going to find your benchmark. Yeah, and I think one of the most important things too is there's a there's a concept out there in in, in the world of performance psychology is called self-regulation. And it takes the discipline and it takes the ability to to, to regulate yourself to your point, Patrick, is that you don't go to your meditation where I go there first, is that there's a balance between as individuals, and it's unique to everybody. So for example, if you're really redlining physically, and you just can't do any more, and you're exhausted, it doesn't matter as long as you're accessing one of the other buckets or one of the other tanks. So for example, most people for when in my experience, because of the physical kinesthetic kinesiology kind of work that athletes do, it's my job to help them identify which of the other uh, buckets or which of the other tanks, for example, is really appropriate at that time. It's not always the same all the time for each person. And it's certainly not the same for, for, um, say partners, for example. So when one gets tired, the other one goes, you know, one goes to their emotional side and wants to watch a crying movie or wants to read a book or wants to cuddle or something. But the other one wants to go and read, um, go read a book or go to a, take a course. So we don't know until we investigate a little bit into what matters to that person and how we can use their pies as a self-regulation tool. So how do we use the tool? So let's say I wake up one morning and uh, one day or I'm going into a meeting or I've got, uh, I don't know, I've got something I've got to do. I'm going to do a self-assess. I got to check in. I just want to check in. I want to take a moment and check in and say, where am I physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually? Now, what if I keep finding myself in, I don't know, let's say I keep in ongoing, find my physical low or I go my emotional or intellectual, my spiritual is low. So what do we do? How do we kind of now what? Now I have this information. What do I do with it? Well, I think what I've discovered for myself and my clients is that I, once I can tell the truth about it, and get to the to the to the root of what it is. Say let's I'll say right now my physical's really low. I don't feel my best. I don't look my best. I'm getting older. I can feel it. I really feel the I feel the heaviness of of a that's lot of because you got a birthday coming. I know, on. I think that's what it is. I mean, just going into that whole mortality conversation. So it's showing up for me physically. So it's really important that I just take myself out for a little walk. I just go and hang with the dogs for five minutes so that I can get myself going again and not doing it with a big stick, you know, not trying to beat myself up because I'm not where I thought I should be physically. So it's learning how to take small steps and really not have these grandiose goals of I'm going to lose 30 pounds by my birthday. I know people that can do that. I have friends that have been able to do that. That's not me. I, I try to work more in all four areas within the seven areas of life that I can, which means that sometimes I have to be okay with not feeling my best physically or not feeling my best 
emotionally, but I know I have the tools and I have the support system. And that's also what the S can mean is support. Mm, sure. And then giving ourselves permission to, you know, there, there's a point that you said, you know, don't carry around a stick that you beat yourself up with, have the awareness of it. And then at some point you incrementally, I mean, imagine that emotionally, if you're in going through a time in your life and I'll use a I don't know. We'll use, hey, listen, let's just use the pandemic as an example. You know, emotionally, that's been really hard on people and many people. And uh, we look at, for example, all of a sudden you're uncertain about your job security. You're uncertain about how you're going to continue to do what you're doing over the past couple of years. Now, a lot of things are starting to open up. Got it. And, you know, so things have improved. But how, what are you carrying with you that's happened over the past couple of years? That was a lot of emotional weight for people. People to carry. And then, you know, we joke about, you know, the COVID-19, which was the weight that we put on, which was about... Oh, the, the, the quarantine 15 <laughs> yeah, or something? something along. Yeah. But the point is, is that all of these things are happening as we come out of what was really, you know, the first time anybody had gone through, you know, two years of that level of, I will call it chaos and, you know, lockdown and, you know, diversity divisiveness divisiveness polarities all those things there's lots of emotional i mean you and i both know many people uh, far too many actually when you think about it that you know they're actually their families or their friends are no longer in their life because of that divisiveness right and the polarity that was created and the emotion that just that's my point the the emotion and then some people really took on covid in a really cool physical way where they you know they stepped up they're working out every day Uh, you know a friend of mine is you know he's you know going into you know two two plus years now so 700 and whatever that is 800 days of working out every single day you know and to whatever degree so great you know something to be very proud of yourself that was what got him through it perhaps my point is is that we have to look at all of that and then not beat ourselves up the point of i guess the pies as a tool i think Bring your awareness to it and then say, where can you do a little bit of work? Incremental change to shift whatever trajectory you might feel you're on. But knowing you have a trajectory and knowing that just because one of the tanks is a little bit lower, that there's three other you can rely on. And that's what I really got with the athletes this week. Some young athletes, young hockey players between 12 and 22, let's say, and really so open and so willing and so wanting to do the work like over and like over the top. And the minute we had the seminar, I could feel their emotional energy just, just kind of surrender and, and, and soften. And as I was having a conversation about the pies, it was like, oh, so the emotional and intellectual side actually matters. They can't just push themselves any more physically. And the other thing I introduced to them for their S was social. So when you're on a team, for example, you can share energy, you can share confidence, you can borrow it. If you're not feeling awesome and your S is low in the social area and you know you need to participate as a team and bring your best self and you're not feeling it, you can really then, based on the values that you bring to the team as a great teammate, share that energy, share that social and that level of support. And that's the key thing I I think I want to bring back into this, into the world, into our world anyway, is that we've been told that we have to be separate. We have to be six feet apart and we can't, you know, you know, we're elbow bumping and all this bullshit, but we as human beings need that. 
we need the S. We need the social. We need the support. And many of us need the spiritual connection so that the other three buckets can actually work. Well, you make an interesting point in, in that S as a social. I often use the quote that confidence is rarely owned. It's almost always borrowed. And you borrow confidence by being in the proximity or hanging out with people that are, you know, similar values, similar mission. You know, when you look at something a team is doing, sometimes you may not have all the confidence in the world, but if, you know, four other people or two other people or 10 other people on the team have all the confidence in the world, guess what you're doing? You're actually tapping into that confidence and then you then can gain the confidence you need. So it goes back to, you know, I've often, you know, I use one of the things that people fear the most, of course, is speaking, public speaking. You know, it's, you know, at, oh, at some point, I don't know if the stat's the same as it was, but at some point it was feared more than death was public speaking. But having worked with many speakers who were nervous before going on to a stage, you know, I would often say to them, you got this, you can handle this, you're brilliant at what you do. Now, what am I doing? I'm giving them my confidence in them to do it. And that was always, and I know how it affected me when, when the rest of the team was really confident in how I was going to deliver that work. But here's where I want to go with all of that, I guess, is that if somebody, especially with the athletes, but I think that probably goes across the board in anything. If you're feeling weak physically, or if you're not at the top of your game, you assess yourself one day and I'm a four physically. Are we then going to consider that if I'm strong emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, or there's a, so does one, do they feed off the other? That's what I'm asking you. So if you look at an athlete who's not at his best game, you may look at him and go, you know, physically you got this. So what is the gap that you're feeling? Yeah, that's exactly right. Is that we also sometimes don't assess ourselves um, in a, a realistic way, especially if our standards are really high and our performance expectations are really high. But yes, absolutely. In in a team sport like hockey, for example, or football, or um, or in, in ice dance, you've got one other person, you've got a coaching team, you've got coaching staff. So it becomes a shared energy. The trick is is to to be honest about it. If you show up at the rink and you know you're not at your best, or you show up at the work, you know, you go to do a presentation and you just know you've had a crappy weekend, uh, you just came off at maybe a funeral and someone you, you know, you were close to passed away and, or your dog ran away or something, there's an emotional side of it. In that moment, if you have the trust to be able to say to your teammate or to the teammates is, I'm not at my best. I'm, I'm actually feeling really sad or really low or really down and physically it's affecting me. So you're not looking for people to do it for you, but you're telling the truth, what you're operating on top of so that the other piece, people are away and they can go, oh, here's where I can assist. Here's where I can support. Here's where I can help. Because it's not always going to be 100, 100. You know, you know, people are going in with the best intentions, but life happens. So if you have the ability and the, the trust in your teammates and you're aligning yourself with people that understand you and your values and they know that you're going to bring your best game every single time, even if you're feeling like crap, then they are, there's that humility that comes to, with that. And that then people tend to want to support. They tend to want to then step in and help. But if you're lying about it 
or you're pretending or you've got a facade like, I got this, even though everybody sees you limping on crutches or whatever. And like, dude, you're not ready. What can we do to support you? It's in our ability to self-assess the truth and then express that. And that's what I've found has really been missing over the last couple of years is this lack of of self-awareness and self-truth that you're, okay, this is where I'm really struggling. And then people being afraid to say, okay, well, I need help. Okay, so let's take a look at where these tools can be used. When I go back in the day when we were using it with the executive team, we'd go around the table really quickly. It was a 15 minute, 15 minute, 15 second thing, each person. You know, what are your pies? Okay, well, physically, I'm feeling a six. Intellectually, I'm an eight. Uh, emotionally, I'm a three. You know, uh, spiritually, I'm a seven, right? And then is there anything you need? For support. So if emotionally you're a three, that would be considered pretty low. That would be a signal that what's going on? Uh, you know, something, my mom, my cat passed away. My mom is not feeling well. I just had a fight with blah, 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 whatever that might be. You know, so the point is, is that it gives the rest of the team a perspective of where you're operating from. Now, that's not to, and, and you have to create the context that for that with your and team. You don't need to fix it for me. I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can but I do need you to know where I'm at. Exactly. And I'm here, I'm present. And what that does actually is it brings you to being present in the conversation and then you're not distracted by how you might, because you've just stated it out loud. So you don't have to pretend that everybody thinks that you're at the top of your game on one side of the equation or the other. So it gives you that place. And to... that's confusing. Like if you're saying I'm a three, and but I'm going to push through and I'm going to be powerful. And and then you're dropping this ball and you're dropping that ball. And people are saying, well, what's up with Francie? Like, why is he, if he's sure. doing okay, why is he? People say that all the time anyways. <laughs> so, but, but if you've got a good leader, at, you know, if, if somebody comes across with a three emotionally, I'll oh, just use that as an example. You know, after you go around the table, the leader may look at you and go, okay, you're, you, you know, a three emotionally is, you know, is there anything you need from us? Anything you need to understand or we need to understand. So that's a way it opens up the door that, you know, somebody can say, no, I'm good. I got it. You know, this is what happened or not. But everybody knows where you're at. So everybody on the team knows where each other's at in that context. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a big story and a big drama. And nope. a big. And that's, I think, where people get a little confused in this work is that they think that by saying where they're at, someone has to fix it. Or someone has to do something about it. Well, what if I just need to say it? Well, I think in a lot of environments, you know, there is a reality, which is people don't operate this way. So they would look at that as a weakness. So people don't want to disclose, well, that's my weakness or that is a weakness, as opposed to just saying, no, that my strength is, is that I'm sharing with you where I'm at. And if a team can come to a conclusion on that's how we're going to operate, then that's how you operate. And there is no judgment around it. It's just, okay, got it. Yeah, we're all, geez, we're all human. Look at that. You know, amazing. So that on that side of it. So let's break these things down a little bit. You know, physically, when you're doing these assessments, the next question that you have to ask yourself is, what can I do to take it from a six to an eight, from a seven to a 10? Is there something that I can do? How about a one do? to a two? That's okay, or a right one now. to a two, whatever. You know, like if you're that, you know, <laughs> if you're a one physically, then you're probably laying in bed with, a, you know, a, an injury. Yeah. That's where I would look at it. But anyway, so the point is, is that what do you need for you to take it to the next level? So physically... You know, one of my things that I know for me, most of the time when I'm not good physically, is I need sleep. And or recently I've been struggling physically, although I'm not as physical 
I don't need to go down to a story. I'm not as physical as I have been in the past. But the point is this. I've been dealing with what I thought was injuries. And and I know better than that. But uh, like I'm making all these excuses. I've got this. My hips are out. My knee keeps tweaking. My shoulder's out of whack. And what did I do? It took me a long time to finally get to it. But I've been getting some chiropractic care. And all of a sudden, guess what? My hips don't bug me. My knee's feeling better. I'm starting to have some energy again, but it was really kicking the shit out of me. And then I went and got some chiropractic care. That's how I looked after myself physically. But guess what that did? When I started feeling better physically, when I've been feeling better physically, I think I've been intellectually in a better spot. Emotionally, I think I've been better, although... The past few weeks, I've been kind of a little bit bummed out about some stuff. But spiritually, I'm always kind of connected. There's always that that connection there. But that was just the the point of that is is that that was just by looking after myself physically, all the other areas went up a notch or two. That's my point of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. And the physical one's the most obvious. I think that's why you know when people that whoever invented the pies put the physical first because it's the most obvious. And yet we're not really encouraged to take care of ourselves physically, you know, as a, as an actual self-care routine, taking care of yourself physically actually kicks in the other buckets. Physically should lead. I, I, you know, you know, not everybody's physical, but that's not the point. The point of it is, is that change your physiology and change your life. I mean, really that's, I think is, I don't care if you're, you know, if you're overweight and out of shape go for a walk and it changes your whole state. Absolutely it does. And it's, it is it is what they say is that our body is really our home. And if we don't take care of our home, where are we going to live? Whoa, look at that. If you don't take care of your home, your physical. Yeah, where are you going to live? Where's where, the rest of you going to live? Where's the intellectual, emotional, and exactly. spiritual going to live? You're genius. Know, right? You're so smart. <laughs> so folks, there's something for you to contemplate. So then we look at it and we go, well, physically we're on our game. You know, maybe we've had our workouts. We've gone for our run. We feel really good. We've got a great night's sleep, but what's stopping us and what's shutting us down intellectually. And what does that mean to you? And does it mean that you've got to do a little bit more study? Does it mean that you've got to connect with somebody that can give you answers that you're looking for? So break it down so that you're really digging into what it is intellectually for you that you need stimulation in terms of, I need more ideas. I need a creative outlet. I need something that's going to open up a door of possibilities for me. So intellectually, then emotionally, is it a conversation that I have to have? What is the feeling? Is And that's where people get confused is that they, they think that emotion, the feelings are emotions. And it's not true. So when you're working on your emotional bucket, for example, it's about where am I misaligned? Where am I aligned? What am I committed to? How am I approaching it based on how things are occurring for me? So think about the word frustrated. People think that's an emotion. I'm frustrated. So I'm in my E, I'm in my, I'm in my emotional part of my buckets, but I'm feeling frustrated. But the truth is, if you start to unwind that and realize that frustration is just unmet expectations, that's more in the intellectual bucket. So the conversation can be like, oh, where did I, where do I need to have a conversation so that I can get my expectations met? Or I can at least say things And my emotional energy will then start to flow because when you get into the E bucket, the emotional bucket that where things get stuck and it gets stopped, it's like you have this big giant fire hose with a giant knot in it. 
right? And and that emotional, we get sometimes confused and think that it's a feeling that we're needing to get to. Generally, it's a conversation that's incomplete. It's a an experience that had a result that we didn't like, and we're trying to go back in our memory or going back to the past and fix it. So that's where the emotional, the E can really kick our butts because we we don't have as human beings generally a lot of relatedness to what emotions mean. Well, there's a let's go we'll go one level deeper and then I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but I think it's an important one is that there you know back to your point around frustration, which is really the frustration lives in somebody or something, some situation, not meeting expectations or not living into your values or vice versa, right? So that that's that one. Then there's anger. Anger is really common these days. It seems more common. I don't know. That's my observation. I've got no evidence no, of that. I'm, I'm seeing people much more quick to anger. But if you're feeling angry about anything, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Where's my fear? Anger is always linked to fear, always, 100% of the time. And that is data, that is psychologists, that's everything about it. It disguises itself. It disguises itself. So if you're feeling anger, then ask yourself, what is Am your fear? I afraid of? What are you afraid of? So that's a, that's a really cool kind of tip, I think. And it is really uh, for... Oh, whoa, whoa, stop. I think this is something we can't step over. Say uh, that again. When you're feeling anger, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Where's my fear? Where's my fear? Because that is truly the emotional bucket is that there's only really two emotions, right? There's love and there's fear, mm -hmm. love and fear. So That's it. Love and fear. So if you're angry or you're on the, let's say the quote unquote side of the negative emotions, there you go. Any one of those negative emotions can be, what am I afraid of? What am I feeling I'm going to lose? What am I terrified is going to happen? Am I in a future thinking state? Am I living in the past? And the other side is love. So anything that is quote unquote positive in the feelings of emotional, of the emotional bucket is really grounded in love. And I'm not saying romantic love. No. I'm just saying love, love. It's interesting that, you know, you know me. I mean, it takes a lot to piss me off. Like, I don't get angry very often. If I get angry about anything, it's about politics. And so I ask myself the question, what am I, uh, what is my fear? Yeah. You know, and my fear is, is that, you know, my life, my children's life, our country's life is being run by a bunch of idiots that I don't trust their decisions. So I get pissed off about that. Now, that's one of the few things that I get pissed off about and I can get fired up about we the team tonight. We joke about it all the time. Let's talk politics. Let's talk, you know, <laughs> Francie's Francie fired up. Let's get, you know, fired up <laughs> Francie going on. But I, I just don't, I don't because I really have come to realize that it is fear driven. Anger is fear driven and I get pissed off. It isn't really anger in the context of blind anger. Like I don't go that way. Uh, you know, I don't go off the rails in that regard at all. I mean, ever. Mm, you know what? It's funny. It's that you've done enough work. I think we've both done enough work to know that there is a there is something that would have to happen to get me angry or you angry would have to be pretty extreme. Exactly. And if if we get if we get angry with each other, isn't that interesting? Yeah. We have to, we have to dig, we'll have to unpack that one day. We only get angry with each other and we get, I don't even know if it's anger. It's just, you know, really passionate debating about something or one thing or the other, something to think but about. But I'm really happy that we can do that because I think what 
we have to share is the ability to have conversations that could come across heated or angry and not be afraid of it. And that's, I think, when you when we're talking about the pies and we're thinking about, okay, well, what is, I'm really feeling frustrated or I'm angry about this or angry about something that's outside of me or angry about something you did or you said, it doesn't have to be confrontational. No, it doesn't. And, and that's where I think people really don't, can't dig into this particular bucket is that they think if I express that I'm feeling angry or frustrated, then I'm confrontational. And the other side of it is in, in this case, if we get angry or we get fired up about something, it's not personal. I don't think ever. And I will, I would hazard to say ever. And the other side of it is, it's not about blame or complain because we do complain, but, and, but we don't blame and we always are batting that one with our, that's why I think we can have the conversations that we have, even as we go through it and we're debating something or having a heated conversation, we know in the back of our mind that it's always about us at some level and about how we communicate. Okay. So that's a and total also, rabbit hole, by the way. But stop cowboy is that what happens, but we're also committed to the same outcomes. And I think for for people who are listening is that when you find yourself in a situation where you're arguing or you're angry with someone or it's coming across aggressive or assertive is, are you committed to the same things? And I think even when you and I argue or fight, we're still committed to the same outcome. And that's what I would like to offer, especially in partnership. It's hard to work with your partner. It's hard to live 24 seven, especially the last couple of years. Thank goodness we have a little driveway. You get to walk across. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Go to a different room because we both have very high levels of awareness and um, that we're doing the work all the time. But unfortunately, we're still human in that regard. And things that piss me off that I think are about you generally aren't. Yeah, no, 100%. They're never about me. Okay, so <laughs> let's carry on. Because you're perfect. So I just had an actually, I had a great Everyday Millionaire podcast interview with... Um, Steve Jagger, who he and his partner, Mike Stevenson, it was such a great, I love the conversation with Steve. You know, the point of it is, is that he and his partner have been partners for 22 years, business partners. And, you know, he used the comment, he goes, you know, people have told us we fight like brothers. And it's interesting. What a great, you know, Mm, way to look at, you know, but they're always committed to the same outcome, just maybe the path to get there and the the stretch, you know, maybe one stretching the other more than the other. So it's just very interesting. Okay. So let's, we, gosh, we get off totally on a tangent there. Back to keep your eyes on the prize. Okay. So we come back, keep your eyes on the pies. And then finally, what I've come to realize as well is that whatever's happening for me in almost all aspects, physically, intellectually, emotionally, is a connection spiritually will always, almost always get me grounded in some form in the other parts of my pies. So whatever that is for you spiritually. So I listen to, I, you know, one of the things that I've come to really realize is that I like listening to certain music. I definitely like listening to different podcasts where they are inspirational type podcasts where they're interviewing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I don't, Tony Robbins, whatever. I mean, I listen to whatever. No, no, Tom Bilyeu. Yeah. But I mean, he's being, he's interviewing Tom or he, uh, it, oh, yeah. he's interviewing Tony Robbins or Lewis, Lewis Howes. Lewis Howes. Love him. He, he just does a great job of interviewing people, right? And so then I'm also learning from that because I'm looking at interview styles and 
guests and how they format things. But there's always the point of it is, is that for me spiritually, that's what that is. And, you know, my meditation, when I get back to it, I always go back to that spirituality for me is when I'm journaling, I'm getting connected to my source of consciousness. And so it's all to say that any one of those components that's weak, you then rely on the other yeah, to and pick to up know the slack. that they're there and that it can be, it's like a sliding scale. Exactly. Right. You know, and if it's not, then in, if all have to be up at the same time, uh, 25, 25, 25, 25, and you're like peak performance, maximum, blissful, transformational, it also doesn't last. It's not, it, sometimes, you know, we hope that it's sustainable, but truthfully, it's having the, the self-love and the self-awareness to know that it may not be all the time. All the time. Okay, folks, that is it for this edition of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters. Remember, keep your eyes on the pies. And uh, Stephanie, that was fun. That was fun. Thanks, son. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.